Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Kathleen Melvin. She is a messaging expert whose insight has been featured via TEDx, Thrive Global, Fempreneur Online, and much more media. Oh, I'm sorry, much more media, the writing cooperative and other outlets. With the degree in theater performance and over a decade as an actor, director, writer, editor, editor and educator, Kathleen draws on her diverse experiences to help mission-driven experts design and deliver their world-changing messages through TEDx coaching and done-for-you copywriting services. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> so Kathleen, welcome to the space. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. It took me a second to hit all the right buttons, but I'm here. You made it. Yay. I, I know it is kind of like going through an obstacle course to get in here, but I'm really glad that you made it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so lesson learned on my end. I need to wear my glasses when I'm reading this. So my my apologies for like a little blubbering there. But um, so, so happy that you're here. And before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive into the nitty gritty? Yeah, so one of the reasons that I'm super excited to chat with you and your community today is that my whole life has sort of been an experiment in creativity. I was a theater kid, I ended up going to college for theater, and that was my first career. I spent um, a little over a decade working as an actor and director and a teaching artist before I ever made the transition to what I'm doing now, which is coaching TEDx speakers and, um, and copywriting for websites and email sequences and sales pages and that sort of thing. Mm. It's such an interesting, this is going to be so much fun because it's such an interesting journey and one might think, well, those are totally different, but mm -hmm. <laughs> there are ways that it merges together. 
and I'm sure there are so many similarities and um, it's going to be great to hear how this all builds up on itself. So are you ready for your would you rather question before we dive in? I am. Okay. So ready. (laughs) So drum roll. Would you rather live on a sailboat or in an RV? Ooh, I would rather live in an RV. I, yes, that is an easy choice for me. I love water and the idea of living on a sailboat is really enticing, but practically I, I know that I would get, um, cabin fever and I would be anxious about being out on, on open water. So I'd rather live in an RV and get to travel around and see different beautiful things and keep a happy cat with me that I can take out to go exploring and things like that. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Could you imagine the cat being on the boat? I actually, I had a book as a kid that was, um, that featured a cat who lived on on a houseboat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that most cats would be super excited to be surrounded by waves. <laughs> <laughs> that learning curve could suck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So yes, I am with you definitely on the RV. Um, okay. So first official official question is, how do you define creativity? So for me, I think that creativity is a practice. Creativity is something that you can strengthen. I, my first business that I was with for about eight years, we were still are, the company still exists. I just don't, I just don't run it anymore. Um, Uh, an arts education company. And what we really focused on was what we called strengthening creativity and bravery muscles. And while creativity is obviously not a physical muscle in our bodies, I really do think that it is, it needs to be exercised. You need to um, continually work on it to get comfortable and get strong. But I think that we all have have that seed of creativity within us that if we take those small steps, we can, we can build up to, to doing big, big creative things in whatever direction our hearts lead us to. Mm. I like that you just described it as a muscle Mm -hmm. and that it really does need to be worked and it needs to be strengthened. Um, This arts education space. So you started this space. Yeah, so I was working as an actor and had a day job, a survival job at a, at a in a corporate office. And another actor who um, we, we both did a lot of children's theater and educational work, she had approached me and, and said, hey, I have this idea for a business. And so the two of us founded Compass Creative Dramatics in 2012. And it, it, so it just celebrated its 10th anniversary this year. Wow. So was that your 
passion job. I like how you said you had a survival job <laughs> in an office. <laughs> so when you started this, did this become your full-time gig or you still had your survival job on the side? I kept my survival job for two years. So I was working at Groupon. I was writing emails for them. And when it got to the point that my that compass creative dramatics needed me to be able to be more flexible and more full-time fortunately we were also at a point where we could like eke by and and pay us some salary at that point and so i quit working for groupon so since between 2014 and 2019 um compass was was my main gig mm -hmm. wow yay Congratulations yeah, really on that. Fantastic. You did it. We <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah. And it survived COVID. It's still going. So that's a big, um, a big celebration. That's wonderful. That's a huge celebration because so much, it just needs to be out there in the world to um, create these spaces for people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So in your journey, so give us, um, give us maybe a deeper dive into your journey, wherever you want to start with it. Um, mm -hmm of your creatives your of who you are yeah so from a from looking through the the lens of creativity and imagination and exploration i was one of those kids who was always writing things <laughs> i had books and notebooks full of of stories and very early on i was writing creative nonfiction before I knew what that was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took that with me. I've always identified as a writer and then sort of built my, my theater work and, and identity as an actor on top of that simultaneously. And so I had these two avenues that were really fulfilling for me. Obviously, I for my career, I went in the in the acting direction, um, at least at first. And they were sort of protective elements of my life. They were they were both my safe spaces. Um, I'm very introverted. I, I tell people I'm the I have a special combo platter of introverted shy and socially anxious <laughs> and so <laughs> a combo platter <laughs> yes <laughs> so writing for me could be like a bit of a retreat um and then the theater part of it was where I really built my community. And so I had both sides. I had the support of a community that I had created through through my my creative endeavors. And then I also had my my really like introversion friendly space where I could go and open up a notebook and, and write things. Um, and that really took me all the way through into my adulthood. And an experience that I had, so when I decided it was time to leave the theater industry. I had been running this art ed, this arts ed company. And through that, I had been doing a lot of copywriting, I had, you know, been creating content for our website and our emails and all sorts of things. 
And so I had started to sort of accrue some side projects where other people in my network were like, oh, that you do this for Compass, you could do this for me, or you could do this for my friend's business or whatever. And so I had sort of like side hustle without the hustle of a copywriting business. And so it would have really made sense to leave the theater industry and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deep dive into copywriting. And instead, for a lot of reasons that made sense at the time, <laughs> um, I decided to go to law school. Mm. And I got into law school, I got a full ride scholarship to a really great school, moved across the country. And I thought I have this, I have this side gig of copywriting that'll bring in some money and it'll also be a creative outlet for me. And I thought that yeah. sounds great. Mm -hmm. And then I started school and everything, like ev everything turned into school. I was waking up at five or five thirty in the morning reading case books until classes started going to class and then coming home and reading until i just dropped dropped into my bed <laughs> at the end of the night and so i wasn't doing anything creative mm -hmm. and that really affected me um mm -hmm. in 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 a, a big way and so that was a large part of my decision to eventually drop out of law school was I, I did not have the autonomy. I did not have the agency to do what I needed to do to take care of myself. And a big part of that was having some creative exercise in my life. Um, and so when I did make that decision to drop out, seven months in, I did not stay long in law school. I took my knowledge that I had amassed about copywriting and I said, okay, this is the time I'm going to do this full time. And so that was about a year and a half ago, early 2021. Um, when I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this full time. This is going to be my thing. And it was the best decision I possibly could have made. I went from a world in which I was doing no writing and no like self-expression to a world in which I was writing every single day. And I was not only writing for myself, but I was also helping my clients, helping other people express themselves mm -hmm. and that is just so rewarding and fulfilling for me and so now i do that both through my copywriting work and then also as uh, in my work as a tedx coach helping people get their whatever that idea that message is that's on their heart helping them get that out into the world and into the minds of the people who are really needing to hear it and can be impacted by it Yes, so much. We're going to do a deeper dive into that because I know the world of TEDx um, speaking and all of that is is just a very interesting one that mm -hmm. I have many questions on. But <laughs> I do want to ask you what you mentioned earlier. Um, you hear different theories on this, but I'd like to hear it from you in you mentioning introversion and mm -hmm. how this is so strong within you. So introversion and theater. 
<laughs> like there. So what, what drew you to theater? I, you know, I, I started, I did my first play when I was nine um, at school and then went into doing community, community theater a couple years after that. And so I don't know that it was so much being drawn to it at that point in my life as it being, as being invited to do it. Um, I had always been very musical. I had always been, um, loved to sing. I had always loved to, um, to pretend and tell stories. And so it made, it just made sense when the opportunity arose to audition and, and participate. I think that it really, you know, at that point in my like preteen years, I, I, I didn't know the word introvert, <laughs> much right. less identify that way. But I think that a lot of people have, have that same sort of question when they, one of the first things that people generally learn about me in a professional setting is that I, I was an actor for a, a long time. And then they learn that I am introverted and they go, how does that work? But theater actually attracts a lot of introverts. A lot yeah. of actors identify as introverts. And for me, part of that is when I am performing a role, when I step on stage, Kathleen doesn't exist. Right. The audience is not aware of Kathleen at all, if you're doing it well. <laughs> right. And so it is ultimate freedom to step into someone else's life, to wear their clothes, to say their words, to um, share their ideas, to inhabit their motivations. And that, that is just, it's just so freeing yeah. as someone who in my normal life, if I step into a room, I am, my brain is spinning with like, what is appropriate? How do I react? Where do I look? What do I say? Can I start a conversation? If someone speaks to me, how should I be responding? Was that weird? They're gonna remember I was super weird. <laughs> <laughs> and on stage, you don't have any of that. Like people, you are literally told what to say. You are given clothes to wear. <laughs> Mm -hmm. All of all of those like scary social um, variables are right. sort of swept away, and you can just live. <laughs> you can just live. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So yeah, I just wanted to hear from your perspective mm -hmm. um, what that all meant, and yeah. yeah there's a whole conversation that can be had on right. just that because then it's like getting onto the stage and mm -hmm. do you remember your lines and all of that kind of stuff. But this is the beauty of the scaffolding part because here you had all of this training and 
then this delivering the world changing messages through TEDx. Mm -hmm. Tell us about, please, your TEDx talk and how that process, how it, how it feels, how it felt to be up there. When I was going through this process of deciding whether I was going to stay in law school or drop out, it was, it was a hard decision to make. I felt a lot of shame about not finishing what I started, about being a quitter, about being a dropout. I was worried. I had this like tremendously supportive community who all felt like, wow, law school seems like such a great fit for Kathleen. You're totally in the right place. And I thought they would be disappointed. I thought they would maybe feel like I hadn't appreciated all of that support because I was letting this thing go. Mm. And so I was sort of fighting through all of that mindset stuff. And that's really what inspired my TEDx talk. My TEDx talk is called The Brave Leap Sideways. Mm -hmm. And it's based on this idea that a lot of us grew up being being fed the notion that when you start something, the most important thing is to finish it. And I think that as we've as we've developed culturally over the last couple of decades, we've come to realize that that's not always the most healthy thing and that you can all sometimes do more damage to yourself and to other people by trying to stick things out. But we get on these sort of life treadmills, whether that's our career or our educational path or relationships that we're in, and the treadmill is going and going and going and we don't see an off button. So we're like, we just have to stick around. We just have to stay here racing for our lives. And so where the brave leap sideways comes in is the idea that there's always a way to get off the treadmill. If you take a very scary, very brave leap over the handrail, you can land safely on the ground, the mm -hmm. solid ground next to that crazy treadmill. And from there you can take a breath and you can look around and you can decide what the next right path is for you. And so that's really where that's really where the the TEDx talk came from. And then as I was getting my community ready for the talk to go online, doing like a grassroots spread it around kind of kind of effort, other people in my in my business network started saying, "Wait a minute, you you have all this experience as an actor, as a director, as a writer, as an editor. <laughs> I was a competitive speaker in high school. That was my yes. sport of choice. I competed all the way up to the national level in a bunch of different categories. And so people were looking at all of that and saying, well, I want a TEDx talk. And I think yeah. you're the person to coach me when I get my TEDx talk. And so it was really the, that community like reaching out and saying this would be good for you that that made me add that service on and it has been so good i love the work i'm doing one of my clients she has her talk in three weeks 
And um, I had a session with her earlier this morning and we're both so excited. She showed me her outfit today that she's picked out for her TEDx talk. But it's just, it's so rewarding to go through that whole process with people of starting out and being like, they come to me in a, in a space where they're like, I have a general idea of what I sort of kind of want to talk about, these ideas that are important to me. And so we start from the very beginning of, of honing that idea into what Ted calls the idea worth spreading and then moving all the way through applications and drafting the talk and getting it finalized and memorizing it and getting it up on their feet. And, and the whole process is such a beautiful experience. I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving doing that work. So what even inspired you to do a TED Talk in the first place? Mm. So having a TED Talk has been on my goals list for a very long time mm -hmm. since, since those talks started coming out online in like 2007, 2008, 2009. And at the time, obviously, I was focused on theater. I didn't know what my message was going to be, but I was like, this feels so much like a specific category that I competed in in high school, which is called oratory. And it just felt like so comfortable watching, mm -hmm. watching people give their TEDx talks. So I knew that that's something I wanted to do. And then when I went through this experience years and years later of dropping out of law school, I was like, oh, this is a message that people need to hear. This is, this is my TEDx talk. And now I, I intend to give at least one more. I have a couple of ideas that, um, that I would like to apply with, but at the time, that was just like a, a goal that had been on my list for such a long time. And it coming up with this idea, just everything fell into place. So, I mean, yeah, everything just again, saying it again, it builds on itself and it led you here. I'm curious from your perspective. Um, I mean, this all felt so natural to you. Uh, mm -hmm. being a competitive speaker, being a theater mm -hmm. person, is a TEDx, being on the TEDx stage, is it for a certain person? Is it for that person that you would say is a theater person? I mean, obviously you can't sit, you can't get up there and just be like, bah, 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 and just babble <laughs> your way through. I know there's a long process in it of training and memorizing your script and everything, but yeah. I don't know, I guess, do you see this being for a certain person? One of the really beautiful things about TEDx is, so TED started, the reason it's called TED is because originally it focused on technology, entertainment, and design. Mm. Those were the categories that people could come speak on. And that changed fairly swiftly. And now we have scientists and philosophers and um, business people and musicians and all sorts of people coming together, bringing their own perspectives and their own ideas into this one arena. And I think that that is just so lovely. It's so beautiful. Yeah. 
And so I would say that it does not, it doesn't matter what your background is. What most matters is that you have a message that you think people need to hear. That said, it's not for everybody. Like if you are, if you are a person who it just sounds miserable and you're worried you're going to break out in hives getting on right. stage and talking in front of people, do not force yourself. You don't need to force yourself to do a TEDx talk. There are so many ways to become visible and become credible. I think TEDx is a really wonderful um, way to do that. But I want the experience to be a joyful one yes. for my clients. That is really important to me. And so that that sort of drives the way that I have um, designed my program and the way that I lead people through it. I think that TEDx can be for, for most people. I believe that we all somewhere inside us, even if we're not aware of what it is yet, um, as was my, my case, even if we're not aware of that, somewhere inside us, there's a message that can help guide us and, and can help guide other people if we share it. And so if there is a spark of, mm, that would be fun, or that would be hard and a good challenge for me, or that is, that is a hurdle of bravery that would be really good for me to leap. If you have any of those little urges inside of you, I think TEDx is probably for you. And I encourage you to, to explore that. I love that. If it's hard and a good challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're really, you're pushing your boundaries. You're challenging yourself. You're expanding. You're growing, which is what this is all about. Mm -hmm. These opportunities. Uh, how long generally is your coaching, um, the length of the coaching session? Is it like a six-month process? Is it? Uh, so does it work? it's a little bit of an awkward time length because the way my program is developed I have two phases. So the first phase that we go through is getting your idea down, working on applications, and that is a six-week process. And then we kind of transition, once you've got applications out, we transition into looking really at the content of your talk and, and taking you all the way up to the performance. And that's a 12-week. So it's t in total 18 weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not an even, an even number of months, but it's the right amount of time. Yeah. You figured it out. Mm -hmm. You have it down to a, to a science. I think so. And people need to be totally off book for this. Yes. Yes. You don't, um, you don't carry notes with you every once in a while you'll see at the like big TED as opposed to TEDx, but the, the, the like big brother organization, um, you'll see someone who, who reads from a laptop or something like that. But at those big TED conferences, it's also people like Shonda Rhimes and Bill Clinton and Bill Gates who are giving those talks. So they make some different allowances. 
um, in at TEDx for like 99.9% .9 of the time, you won't have note cards or a script in front of you. It'll be entirely memorized. What's the difference between TED and TEDx? I know TED is the, you know, is the bigger space, but what does the X stand for? So what the X means is that the event is independently organized. Uh -huh. So TED gives some guidelines. For instance, talks cannot be longer than 18 minutes. And there are some like content guidelines where you have to make sure that you're not talking about pseudoscience or other things that can't be supported, um, which is really to protect their brand and the messages of all the other speakers. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, at, with TEDx, any the organizers can sort of have play play with um with the setup so every tedx event has its own energy its own process the applications are all different mm -hmm. um and so it's really about that that x is really saying we're local we're a, we're a community-based organization and our our tedx community here in this town is going to be different than the one two hours away gotcha Cool. I was always wondering that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to know you a little bit more and um, some of the things we know generally what you do, but um, I'm just curious how you incorporate more creativity into your own life. One of the, one of the blessings of the work that I do is that it is inherently creative. And so my, my work life, my business life tends to be very creative. I will take in my business, I will take on more sort of broad creative activities than some other business owners will, because I enjoy them like, creating graphics and creating slides and those sorts of things. I tend to have an artistic eye so I can make things pretty. I am in no way though a professional graphic designer or anything mm -hmm. like that, but that's a way that I, even though it's not necessarily the most efficient thing for my business, it's an activity that I enjoy. And mm -hmm. so I take that on. And then even beyond, Beyond my work life, I have a friend group who, when I moved away from Chicago, um, because it was it was during during quarantine, we sort of set up a habit of doing online readings of plays. Uh -huh. And so, even though I don't work professionally as an actor anymore i still get to every once in a while hop on zoom and read a role with a bunch of other actors um, most of them who who are working actors still mm. and that's a really fantastic um not just not just creative exercise but also like reminder of community which goes back to why i why i stuck with doing theater in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something that I reach for too. And then a little bit of a, you 
I guess it's, I, I was going to say it's, it's maybe a reach to say, but like I walk almost every day. It's not a reach. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Yeah. And, and and one of the things that I like to do and why I enjoy going out and walking is because I am just always noticing little pieces of beauty, mm-hmm. um, whether that is like an interesting bug <laughs> or a pattern on the sidewalk or a flower that strikes my eye. Um, and so I think that even just like experiencing those things is it 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 feels like it hits the same part of my brain Mm -hmm. um and then i also my if if you ever saw my personal instagram it is just flowers and small creatures that i that i find (laughs) it's 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 a nature account (laughs) an urban nature account um because i love i love taking those photos too so there's photography yeah yeah there's so many ways that creativity touches my life and that's one of the one of the reasons that i i feel so good about where i have found myself um professionally because it allows me the flexibility to do these other things on my own time and just experience experience beauty in in all sorts of different ways throughout my day. I love asking people this question because often at first people get kind of like um, uh, put within the structure of what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. So yep. it's kind of like, okay, well, which is so important and I want people to hear <laughs> this, which is why I started my company is this whole expansion of the word creativity and for mm-hmm. everybody to see themselves in it. So in whatever it is that thing that you do for your job, let's say, you're creating all the time. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you are a creative being, whether it's your communication skills, your um, your whatever you just right now, I guess my brain is just kind of like flooding in right now. I just want to focus on what you said, like the slides and graphics. It's something that mm-hmm. you enjoy. It's something you see that you're good at. So even though somebody might be like, well, that's not worthy of your, you're not charging mm-hmm. enough or da da. It's like, well, I enjoy that. And I, I, I um, can represent well in that space and it helps my client and all of this. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. And then you talked about something, these things that you're doing for yourself to nurture yourself. And you have this self-awareness where for yourself, you're getting on, you're reading these roles. It's a happy space for you. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to do it for a living anymore. But it's something that brings you joy, which I think is important for people to hear. It's doing these things that bring you, underline you a million times, joy. Whether (laughs) you're good at it or not, you don't have to be great at it. Not Mm -hmm. saying that you're not good at reading the roles, but whatever it is, (laughs) you don't have to be the stellar person where it's like, well, if I'm not good at it, then why do it? Right. I, I'm not a trained photographer, a trained cell phone photographer, but I I regularly post pictures that I think are beautiful and that seem to bring other people joy. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think that it it's just so personal about like what you have to pay attention to 
how your body and your brain are reacting to what you do. Is this something that is soul building? Mm-hmm. Is this something that feels freeing or, or seems to be releasing something out of me? And if so, keep following that, keep doing that thing. It's yes. good for you. <laughs> it is. If it feels good, if it's, if it feels good, it's good for you using your power for good, everybody. Um, but it's, <laughs> intriguing it's just this awareness i really believe in this nurturing of awareness because for so many years so many of us i can speak for myself there is a sense of you know you get stuck in adulting adults mm-hmm. of responsibility well i got my family i got myself i have to take care of i have the mortgage to pay i have the rent to pay i have to put food on the table i have pets i have all this responsibility responsibility which yes it is there but If you are just on the treadmill of life, as you say, (laughs) and just stay on the treadmill and it's speeding up and you're just running faster, running faster. And you're like, how the hell do I get off of this thing? I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually seeing what's around me. I'm not seeing my community around me. I'm really pissed off all the time. And why (laughs) is that? (laughs) Because you're not taking time for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Whether you're angry or just like sad or your energy feels off. Like those are all, I think, signs that your inherent creativity needs to be exercised because like you said before i think we all have it we we we're all born creative creatures we're creators and when we when when we like tamp that down it's not good for us it's like quieting that voice it's like shh Nobody needs to hear that you enjoy that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need to actually take time for for belly dancing, even mm-hmm. though that would be fun. You know you can't move your spaz. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that inner voice at times is not very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be downright mean. So mean. So do you have, I like to ask people um, this question, do you have any kind of morning routine? Oh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. When I am at my healthiest, when I am feeling my, my best, it usually aligns with a time when I am careful about my time. Um, there have been times when my morning routine is as simple as like, make your bed and go drink tea on the balcony. Um, And times when my morning routine is like a four hour (laughs) practice that includes working out and reading and journaling and all sorts of things. Um, Right now in my life, I am not at a place where I have a solid morning routine. Mm -hmm. But it does happen sometimes. Well, I think I like asking people because I like the honesty and the different answers and the variation of people to understand that a morning routine doesn't need to be a four hour thing. Mm-hmm. It's it could be just that um, acknowledgement of 
yay, I'm awake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another day. <laughs> I get to actually breathe air into my lungs and put my feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, it could be that quick acknowledgement and then, you know, take some breaths, go do your thing, brush your teeth, whatever your routine is in that and your order of things, switching the order up, having that drink that makes you feel good. Somebody once told me, um, she's like, I don't really have much of a morning routine, but I do get up. I um, put on the music. I put She puts on jazz music, uh, makes her drink in the morning, and then <laughs> opens the door at 6 a.m. to let her dogs out in the, in the uh, backyard. And as the music's playing and she's drinking her drink, she's just kind of taking in the scene. It's the, mm -hmm. it's, which is like a, an upright meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's a routine. So I think it's nice for people to see a variety. I think it can often be an overwhelming thing where people are like, well, I don't think I do well enough at that. And maybe I should, that's where all the shoulds come in. Mm -hmm. I should do that and sit down and do this and do that. When it really is creating a space for something that feels nurturing to you. Yeah. Yep. It's again, that's, it's such a personal, a personal thing. And, and to your point earlier about like adult responsibilities that can be so hard for parents who are taking care of kids in the morning or, and any, any number of like other responsibilities that yeah. you're like, oh, I don't, I don't have the time. My coffee is always cold by the time I get to it. Um, but if you can, if you can work it out so that you have something reliable for yourself, most mornings, I do, I do think that that is a very healthy thing. I, I find it healthy for me when I'm able to do that for myself. Looking back on it with hindsight, I see that because having two children, which grateful they are not gratefully, but yes, they, they are wonderful humans that I love very much, but they're 19 and 22. So we're past that stage of having to wake them up in the morning. <laughs> um, but looking back on it, I wish I had for myself more mindset. Um, uh, the word training is coming to my head, but more mindset awareness mm -hmm. at that time, because I would be getting ready for work. It would be the normal arguing in the morning. The, you know, my daughter would be every day. It would be like, well, you know, they've done studies to show that kids shouldn't go to school so early. I'm like, are we freaking going to have this conversation every day? <laughs> I mean, she's right. <laughs> like, seriously, I'm like, I totally agree with you. I am 100% on board. But are we going to do this, this every day? This is also the situation. <laughs> that was the situation yesterday and will be the situation tomorrow. It's not changing today. <laughs> so um, write your senator, your daughter. <laughs> so it was always that. But I'd wish actually I was in that mindset of more calm um, to be able to create more of that for myself and not press snooze so much, which mm -hmm. would then be kind of like a domino effect uh, mm -hmm. on everything. And actually, what's interesting, too, is the kids still kind of laugh about it. When it was Friday, I would kind of wake them up. I'd go into their rooms and say, it's Friday, Friday, <laughs> got to get down on Friday. They'd be like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I'd pull the covers off of them. This because morning. That was usually the fifth time that I'd go in. Oh, yeah. Where the singing would ensue. <laughs> my my older sister used to wait there. I, I'm one of four girls and we're okay. sort of in two pairs. So we have we have older sisters and one of them would um, would come wake us up by turning the light on, pulling the blankets off <laughs> and I don't remember what she had a couple different songs that she used to sing. One of them was the like, good morning, good morning. <laughs> but she had a couple of others too. <sighs> so I identify with your with your children in this story. <laughs> it's so funny because it is so annoying when you go from this slumber to this noise and this oh kind of goodness. yes. Yes, yes, so much. But as a parent, speaking of that. It really is. Parents, take the time to really for you when you can really breathe. Give yourself, have like water next to your bed or something so you can hydrate. It's these little things of incorporating self care so um, you can show up and be like, oh, I wasn't neglected this morning. It wasn't just rush, 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 rush. Yeah. I existed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Thank you for so, asking these questions. Yeah. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, the third and final question is kind of repetitive, but it's kind of like putting the little bow on the box, which is why do you think creativity is important? I think it goes back to like the essential elements of health, like holistically a healthy life mm. includes, I think, some uh -huh. creative exercise. I think that, like I said earlier, we're born with creativity and I don't think we're supposed to lose it. No. I think we're supposed to nurture that. Um, and if, and if, Maslow redid his hierarchy today, maybe creativity would be would be part of that. Yes. I love that a healthy life includes could be like blank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but healthy exercise for you. Mm hmm. <sighs> Kathleen, can you please tell everybody how they can connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook um, under my name, C-A-T-H-L-Y-N-M-E-L-V-I-N. And if you are interested in the work that I do with TEDx, I have a Q&A coming up where you can come ask your questions and I help demystify that process and that'll be happening on October 4th. So you can reach out to me for details on that. Our TEDx talks basically, they go on obviously throughout the whole year mm -hmm. and they just kind of vary per since they're in different spaces all the time. There's no rhyme or reason as to when they are, right? Well, on an individual level, there usually is. So a certain TEDx event might always happen on, you know, the second 
Saturday of November or something like that. Okay. But overall, there are over 3,500 TEDx events across the globe every year. And there's an event happening somewhere every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So before we say our goodbyes, is there anything else that you feel like you need to share that you didn't say or you just want to reinforce? I I just think that this idea of thinking of your creativity as a muscle in the same way that if you haven't worked out for three years physically, it might be scary to walk into the gym and pick up some weights or walk into the gym and get on the elliptical machine. But if you go and you do it for 10 minutes, the next week it's going to be easier to increase to 15 or 20 and build it up in that way. And I I want people to think about their creativity in that way. Maybe it starts, maybe you have little kids at home and you you play pretend with them or you put on a puppet show with them or something that's in your home, low stakes that you can then build on. Maybe you go to a, a paint and wine night after that and you can just stretch stretch your creativity muscles in whatever way is going to feel like an experience of growth but a very natural one for you so find those avenues and explore them i love that that is a beautiful way to wrap it up thank you thank you kathleen thank you so much for taking this hour to hang out and chat Thank you for having me. This was so lovely. Yeah, I really appreciate you. And those joining us live, thank you very much for being here. Those catching the replay, we know that you could be doing anything with your time. And we so appreciate you hanging out and being with us. This space is all about inspiring each other, about connection, and about sharing stories. I believe we've always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever. So please like, follow, share, give a review, all that good stuff so it can just reach more people so we can spread the word and bring people more joy and happiness. So wherever you're listening in the world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, and a good evening and look forward to connecting soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. 
through the Publishing House Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, copy books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one.